Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the Word. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple Podcast. My name is James Johnson and I am here with my co-host. Elizabeth Shaby. Elizabeth, how are you doing today? I'm doing fabulous. How are you, James? I'm doing great. We took a week off. Uh, after our Sermon on the Mount Beatitudes uh, series, and now we're back. So we got a busy time at the church right now. We're preparing for a fall kickoff. We've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, things are about to get started between August 24th and September 14th. All of our programs kick back off, and by mid-September, we're going to have a, a full house, a full schedule. Um, one of the cool things, no, all the things are cool, but um, <laughs> one particularly important thing that we want to talk about today is Disciple Bible Study. Yes. So we've got a lot of small groups. We got a lot of studies um, for all ages and stages of life, but this one in particular um, is special to my heart. Um, I did four years of disciple with uh, Reverend Catherine Booth, a little small group, and it was a very unique experience. So James, can you give us a little overview about what Disciple Bible Study is? I mean, you're the one that convinced me to do it in the first place. So Disciple Bible Study is uh, a program that grew out of the Methodist tradition and is uh, based on um, a loosely based on uh, really two two print two principles uh, that that disciple Bible study is trying to accomplish, or is guided by. Uh, number one is obviously studying the Bible. Uh, that's kind of one of the key pieces, especially with Disciple One, where you read the entire Bible in thirty four weeks. It is uh, an in depth kind of dive into. Uh, scripture and some of the themes and characters and all of the stories and and theological aspects and all this kind of stuff that happens within the scriptures. The second part is is developing relationships with our fellow disciples of Jesus Christ, and that is an essential part of studying scripture is doing it together as a community. And so, one of the things that Disciple Bible Study does is help us to number one study the Bible, but then also to do that in relationship as we build friendships and community and fellowship with those who are here uh, worshiping with us. Um, that was your experience as I as I have heard. Indeed. So I, you know, I grew up Episcopalian and, um, <laughs> well, you know, we don't, uh, we don't pick up the Bible as much, you know, we do, uh, a lot more reading in church than we do here yeah. at, um, at Northside, but, but you don't read the Bible. What do you read? We don't actually, well, <laughs> we have something very special called the book of common prayer that we use uh, the common book of prayer. <laughs> Every time. Every time. <laughs> and so, you know, in all of our book juggling in the Episcopal Church and our pew aerobics, um, there's just not a whole lot of actual Bible picking up. You know, you yeah. listen to it being read. Do and, they even have Bibles in the pews? You know, it's questionable. It depends, <laughs> on, it depends on what day it is. And so, I don't know, just for whatever reason, that it just not, was not something that I grew up with, uh, like a hardcore yeah. understanding and practice of reading scripture. And when I started working here, I had been here for, I don't know, a couple years. And um, I, you know, you started to, you know, you re up to the program, I think, with the we, help of Yeah, we restarted the program with Jerry, Jerry, Landers. Jerry Landers. Yeah. Shout and, out Jerry Landers. Um, I was, you know, putting it, I saw it go into the, the highlights and everything, and, and I remember asking you about it, and like, oh, I don't know, what is this thing? And, and you know, you're like, this this is a great program, you need to do this. I was like, all right, well, I don't know, I'll think about it, it sounds like a big commitment, you know, I mean, I'm not really a small group kind of person, like, there's people, <laughs> and I don't know about that. You kind that. of just want to get and, lost in the crowd. Right, yeah, this is a big commitment, I mean, it's every week for the entire year, this is like a school year sort of thing, yeah, and like, yeah, you know, really is. hour and a half every week. 
oh my gosh. And so I was like, ah, let me think about it. And you walked out of my office and then like 20 minutes later, you came back in and you said, I signed you up for Disciple. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. I was like, oh, okay. So I guess I'm doing this now. Well, and you did a, you did a, a kind of a unique version of Disciple during the lunch hour uh, on Mondays, uh, which was a lot of, I think a lot of staff. Yeah, it was that. at that point. It was staff oh. and, and like half staff and half uh, people from the church. Mm-hmm. Um, Catherine is doing that again this fall. Uh, starting with Disciple One, Mondays at noon, um, and uh, you know it's designed for the laity, but also the staff are welcome to join. And it's a great way to kind of start your week, um, especially on Monday, and it's a midday kind of thing, so you, you know you mm-hmm. can do it during your lunch hour. You went through the entire series, right? So you did Disciple One, Two, Three, and Four. I did. I did. Um, talk to me about like, you know, talk to us about like what your experience was, what you took from it. I mean, really, it changed everything. Like it, it gave me a foundation for my faith in a way that I had never had before. Um, I really, it's like Christianity 101, you know, reading yeah. the Bible because, you know, I think, um, we don't put a lot of emphasis, I, I don't think, on how important like knowing scripture is. Like yeah. we talk about reading scripture and we do that, but like understanding this giant book that we've been given. I mean, this is our this is our textbook for our faith. Right. And we don't really talk about uh, how important it is to be informed, you know, like I think in a general basis in our culture, like, you know, we go out into the world and, you know, each of us are experts at our own thing and we talk about it and we know things and, right. you know, but we don't we don't really put a lot of emphasis on how important it is to be knowledgeable about your faith. That's, that's an interesting way to think about it because you're right. When we go to see the doctor, we assume the doctor is well-read and, and studied and practiced in medicine. We go to, uh, you know, uh, the mechanic. We assume that they know something about cars, that they're well-read and practiced. But when you go to a Christian, you know, as Christians, we should be just as well-read and practiced. And yeah. a lot of us have um, – some. a lot of us do the practicing part maybe – uh, you know, I think the Episcopal Church, the tradition you grew up in, focuses a lot on the practice. It's a, mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a version of, it's a lighter version of Catholicism. Uh, that you know, you have the practice, to the traditions, the rituals where uh, those things form you. But to be well read, to be uh, informed, as you said, in the scriptures, takes on a whole different meaning. Uh, as you start to trickle down into the lower church traditions, where the Methodist Church kind of is a middle weight mid waypoint, I guess you could say, between being Episcopal and being Baptist. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, uh, the Methodist Church um, kind of sits in this space between um, two very different ways of, of living Christianity. Uh, and you have, you know, on the, on the uh, you know, on, on this side over here, you have uh, the Catholic tradition, which is very much more focused on tradition and ritual and practice, as I just said. Uh, and then as you move in the direction of the other spectrum, the other end of the spectrum, which is probably something like the Baptist tradition, uh, where it's all scripture all the time. And that's the most important thing. And what you believe about scripture is the most important thing. And you get in the right here in the middle, you get the Methodist church, which Old Methodist. has traditions and rituals and practices that are very important, but marries that together with this understanding that scripture is one of the primary, is the primary source for our information about God. And you're, so in your experience, you, 
you started, you know, as a recovering Episcopalian, you began to realize that scripture might be important? Yeah. I mean, something else that I remember you saying a lot, you said this in our classes, is that the, the Bible is an occasion for the word of God to speak. And four years of disciple helped me really to understand what that meant, um, that it's, it's this framework that informs our thought process and our imagination. And if you have, I mean, and I'm certainly no scholar, but like, I feel like Disciple gave me a basic level of understanding of what this book is and what this faith is. And it just like, from a practical standpoint, you know, I, you know, I certainly was, you know, I could, you could flip open the book and you could, oh, this passage, oh, you know, Philippians, that's a great one. Oh, look, this psalm, it's delightful. <laughs> right. You know, and we pick out these Just things. Just kind of jump we, around, your right. favorites. Yeah, yeah, and you read the same thing, whatever. But I have a better understanding of the flow and, like, the the placement of these special scriptures within the context of the whole thing. And it changes, it changes your understanding or it deepens your understanding of this very confusing, very deep book. Yeah. <laughs> you could certainly, as you know, I mean, you've spent your entire life studying this thing and, yeah. you know, you can always go deeper and you can always find out always, more. Always, yeah, definitely. Um, but it gave me a lot of confidence, I guess, maybe is the word oh, I'm looking word. for. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, knowing knowing and understanding everything that you don't know is a weird way to get confidence, but it's like, okay. I, I, I understand where I am in the grand scheme of things, and it helped me to understand how important it is to keep discovering and to keep reading and to keep learning. I have equated studying the Bible uh, when you really get deep into it, like you did with Disciple Bible Study, um, is, is to learning a new language. It yeah. really is like a, a really kind of thing where you, unless you get into the immersion, like until you immerse yourself in the culture, you don't really learn a language, right? So like I can go learn Spanish, but until I'm like actually talking to other people who know Spanish or in a culture that is, that is shaped by that language, uh, I don't really know the language, right? I don't, I mean, I can, I can jump around on my favorite words or phrases, right? In a, right. In a language, or I can maybe tell a joke or something, but I can't. I can't truly understand jokes, and I can't understand why it's funny, and I can't understand uh, the entire context of, of an entire language. And the Bible's the exact same way. So you mm -hmm. get in there and really just immerse yourself in the world of the Bible. Uh, it's hard to even understand truly if we want to understand the true meaning behind even some of our favorite passages. Like, why why are these passages so important? Uh, even th something like John 3.16, right? Until you immerse yourself in, in the book of John. Uh, you know, you don't really get what what John is trying to say or what Jesus is trying to say in that passage. Um, and then once you get into the book of John, you realize, well, I need to actually understand, you know, these other gospels as well. And then I need to, under, mm -hmm. you know, and it can be a daunting and it can be a lot. I think a lot of people get overwhelmed by that. But one of the things that's great about Disciple Bible Study is it breaks it down in, into this kind of pattern and this practice. And it, and it makes it so that you, you can take chunks of it and then put it all together. Uh, as you walk through it again, not by yourself, but with other people who are there to help you. Then that's the other really great thing too, is, uh, you know, we can sit here and we can read this alone in the quiet of our room. And certainly that can be edifying and wonderful and God can use that, but it's a different experience to be in a room with five, 10, 15 other people. And you're all kind of noodling on this thing together and trying to tease out the meaning and 
by the way, each of you probably has a different version of the Bible. Right. And so someone reads it this way and you can understand, you have to, you know, you take a minute to understand why this person heard this. Maybe you just skipped over that verse and you read it, but it didn't really like hit you in any sort of kind of way. But yeah. this person over here, it really meant something too. And then, you know, so you are actively building relationship, um, building, you know, empathy for other people's perspectives and making connections while you're also understanding this, this text. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, uh, you know, one of the things that we oftentimes forget about scripture is that every single one of the books in the Bible, every single, uh, every single one of them, every passage in scripture was written, uh, to be read aloud to be, it was written for a community of people to a community of people. And so there's a dynamic that happens when you start to read scripture, uh, with other people that something about it comes alive, that it, it can't be heard, uh, when you're, you know, when you're simply sitting alone and reading scripture, uh, by yourself. Now, I, like you said, like that can be helpful. Obviously there's some meditational and, uh, and, uh, devotional, uh, qualities to that. There are some academic ways in which you can read scripture alone and stuff like that. But, but the Bible is designed to be read aloud. Number one, it's read. It's it's designed to be read aloud, and it's designed to be read with other people because there's something very dialogic about it, right? And this, this is kind of where the whole idea of dialogic disciple comes from: is that there is an ongoing dialogue that's happening in scripture, not only between the books themselves. Like Genesis is talking to John, and 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 Matthew is talking to Isaiah. Uh, but, but we are getting to overhear that dialogue and then participate in that dialogue through the Holy Spirit. There there is something that's happening, uh, in that dynamic. And the more voices we bring into that dialogue, the more likely it is that we're going to hear a a truly, uh, dynamic and and powerful and, and, and transformative message rise from the pages of scripture. And doesn't that just, that just makes me excited (laughs) thinking about that, you know, I mean, so that's another plug, you know, if you're, if you're in a place where you're feeling kind of apathetic about your faith or a little stuck or a little bored or, you know, it's just something is missing. This is a great opportunity to light that fire and to, to have that dialogue. It brings it to life. Yeah, absolutely. Something, um, I was reading this book by uh, Rowan Williams and he talks about kind of what you're saying, like the, the importance or the Christian life is a listening life. And so, you know, in order to have dialogue, like you're talking about, half of that is listening. You know, we're not always speaking. We are listening half the time. And the Christian life is meant to be a listening life. And we have to practice that in order to hear each other and be in relationship with each other, to empathize with each other, but also to hear our God. Yeah. We have to we have to practice listening and we yeah. have to give space for listening. So whether that's, you know, reading and listening to what God might say to you through the scriptures, listening to other people talk about their experience of scripture, you know, reading it out loud in the group, it's you're practicing this listening life. So uh, if I'm hearing you right, as far as uh, what you're trying to say here, what you're suggesting is maybe if... Um we all go through these these periods in our life where we can't we feel like we can't clearly hear what God is trying to say, and even when we read scriptures, maybe we don't feel like God is saying anything, and we're finding it hard to listen because we're not hearing anything. But maybe one way that we can kind of get out of that or, or begin to hear what God has to say is even if we just go to Bible study, whether it's disciple Bible study or some other or some other study that's going on at the church or somewhere. Uh, just go and listen to other people 
as they kind of read the scripture or as they try to figure out, wrestle with what the scriptures are trying to tell them. And maybe you just go and listen. And maybe through that process, you can begin to hear God speak as well. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like Something else that uh, Rowan Williams talks about uh, in this book, it's called... Um, being Christian. So he goes through four different tenets of being Christian, baptism, Bible, Eucharist, and prayer. Uh, but something else that he talks about is the uh, the element of story, right? Particularly we see this in the gospels, right? Jesus is telling a story, but it's inviting you to figure out who you are in the story mm. that Jesus is telling. So, you know, it's not just because, you know, there's someone in a particular story with a viewpoint or with a certain action that doesn't necessarily mean that God is condoning that, right? Like a lot of people right. in the Bible did a lot of terrible things, but it is inviting you to think about who you are in this story. Yeah. And maybe you are that guy that did the terrible thing. So, and you know, but maybe, maybe you're the guy that did the right thing. Right. And so you're right. identifying with this, asking who I am in this story. And then it's an invitation to grow from there. Yeah. Okay, cool. So how could I have done this better? Right. How could I have, you know, um, been a better believer than the Israelites were, you know? Sure. Like, yeah. How can I put this in my own life? And so that's another really cool thing that you have a, a chance to practice and to learn how to do is engaging with those stories. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great, um, I like that a lot. You know, uh, there's not many people in the Bible that we're actually supposed to be like, uh, really just the one, the one guy, uh, <laughs> you know, and there's a couple other, uh, people who, who set a good model, but for the most part, all of these people are terrible. Uh, they are just like us in a lot of ways. Right. So how great for us, right? Yeah, Cause we can identify this. We can identify with that. But you know, even with the story, like, you know, the Israelites, you, you talked about, um, uh, one of the, one of the, one of the things that is maybe hard to do for us when we read through scripture, but I think teaches us the most or, or at least gives us a different perspective uh, is to put ourselves in the place of, of a character that we wouldn't often do. So, for instance, in the story of the Exodus where the Israelites are coming out of, of slavery and they're going into the wilderness, crossing the Red Sea, it's a great story. It's been made famous by Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and, and uh, But almost always when we read that story, whether we read it by ourselves or we're reading it in, in, a, in a congregational setting or whatever, we almost always put ourselves in the situation of like, we're the Israelites or we are Moses. You know, we are the people who are trying to, trying to listen to the leadership of God and lead the people or we're the people who are trying to hear what God is trying to tell us through Moses. We hardly ever put ourselves in the position of the Egyptians. Ooh. No. <laughs> what if uh, what if we're the Egyptians? What does that look like? Or, you know, what if uh, all these other characters in Scripture that, that are, you know, considered to be the bad guys, right? Yeah. What if we're the Pharisees? What if we're the teachers of the law what if we are you know sometimes we're not you know yeah. david knocking down goliath sometimes sometimes what if you're goliath, goliath. <laughs> yeah right i mean that that's the, those are the kind of questions uh that you especially as you begin to look at all of scripture right and you and you begin to look at these stories from a different perspective i really can have a profound impact on on not only not only your life but in the ways in that you can you begin to learn, teach yourself to hear God's voice, you mm -hmm. know, even outside of scripture. One of the things, one of the most powerful things about scripture and when we really begin to, to practice on a regular basis, studying it and reading it and, and, uh, and talking about it, I think is also an important part is we, we begin to plant 
these ideas and images in our head that come directly from Scripture. And one of the things that begins to, to take effect is you begin to see these things out in the world today. So if you are constantly reading, for instance, Psalm 23... Right, and you're you're constantly reading this every day, and you're talking to other people about it, and you're saying things. You know, like, the Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. And you're talking about what that means, and what does it mean to lie down next to green pastures in the shadow of the valley of death. These these poetic, amazing images that are in your head as you begin to walk through your day uh, and live your life. You're going to be able to see shadows of death, valleys of shadows of death. You're going to be able to see green pastures in your life. You're going to be able to see where God is being a shepherd, and you're going to be able to see uh, what it means to want and to not want. Um, and all of these other things, all these other images, and that's just one tiny example. But if you're reading scripture constantly, and particularly, again, if you're talking about it, right, you're engaging mm -hmm. it, you're having conversation about it, your brain is beginning to take those images and to internalize them in such a way that it's going to shape the way you see the world. In other words, it's going to give you eyes of faith and ears to hear, like Jesus talks about. As you said before, I, I like to talk about the Bible not as the Word of God, um, because I think the Word of God is Jesus Christ. And sometimes I get in trouble for saying that, but that's literally what the Bible says, that the Word of God is Jesus Christ. Uh, but that the Bible represents the occasion for the Word of God to speak, uh, and the primary way in which the Word of God speaks to us. In other words, the way that Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit speaks to us is through the pages of Scripture. That's an idea that I got from a guy named Karl Barth, who is um, one of my favorite theologians, and and uh, I've got his, his church dogmatic sitting up there on my shelf, and uh, he is one of my favorite theologians, probably the biggest theological mountain, uh, definitely of the 20th century, if not since Augustine, but in any case, uh, that was his big thing is that in, when he was coming up and as he was becoming, um, as he was becoming a pastor, uh, and beginning to practice pa pastoring people, he, he was deeply influenced by the, the kind of the theological mood or spiritual mood of the time, which was really based on experience. People were, you know, people were told to go out and experience God. And if you can experience God, then that's really all that matters. It doesn't really matter. You know, all the Bible stuff doesn't matter. All of the tradition stuff doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. Are you experiencing God right now? You know, it was a very popular idea uh, in that in his time. But he what he his insight, his but his big insight was that experience needs to be tethered to something. It needs to be shaped by something and that, you know, just having this kind of sense and taste of the infinite, as Schleiermacher said, is not quite enough. That it has to be tethered to something. It has to be tied to something. It has to be shaped by something. In other words, it has to be shaped by Jesus Christ if it's going to be Christian. And if that's the case, then we've got to find a place where Christ is speaking to us. And primarily that's in the Scripture. That's in the story of the Gospel, but it's also in the, in the Old Testament. It's, it's in the entirety of Scripture. Once we train our minds and our hearts to see the world through the eyes of the Bible, then we can experience Christ anywhere and everywhere, all the time. But that kind of training has to be done by doing careful reading of Scripture, talking about Scripture, having dialogue about Scripture, so that the Word of God can not only, not only speak to us, but that we can hear it, and then hopefully embody it as we become the church. It's a special kind of tension that we... I think have to live in as Christians, at least for me, I've been thinking about this uh, a lot lately, this idea that God is doing something new, right? I believe that, like God does a new thing, God is fresh, God, God is always working, God is always alive. And like you're saying, but you have to, 
you have to tether that to something. And this idea that the word of God, the Bible is an occasion for the word of God to speak, I think perfectly describes that. You have to be steeped in this um, from a knowledge standpoint, from a practice standpoint, from a conceptual, you know, standpoint, you've got to be steeped in it. But once you are, then you are open to see all that freshness and the newness that God brings into everything. Right. And so it's not just a, it's not just a free for all, but it's also not completely legalistic, right? We don't want to be, you know, we don't want to be the Pharisees, you know, we also don't want to be like some guy over there that's just like going nuts, you know, (laughs) it's whatever. I don't have a good, I don't have a good parallel for that, but you know, like it's attention. It's attention. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's exactly right. You know, one of the things that's represented in our tradition, uh, in the Methodist tradition, in the Wesleyan tradition, the thing that we call the Wesleyan quadrilateral, right? Which is a big, mm. big fancy word. To All talk right, wait, about. hold on. Let me see if I can remember it. Okay. Experience, yeah. reason, yeah. tradition. Oh, I got, I got a triangle. It's I got scripture. a triangle. Oh, scr- oh scripture. <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. Scripture. <laughs> so the Wesleyan quadrilateral, yes, scripture, reason, tradition, experience. Uh, <laughs> that is hey, recovering Episcopalian. You're okay, doing, you're doing great. You had the big three, the you know the Episcopals blue. Uh, yeah, right. See, there we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Literally holding my Bible. So right these here. are all you know. This is, this is these four things are are what we are what we draw our our belief and doctrine and faith from, right? Um, and scripture for us is is the primary one, but the reason, tradition, and experience are also very important. And experience was really important to John Wesley, you know, the kind of grandfather of the Methodist Church, uh, who who believed that you have to have that personal experience of Jesus Christ, of God, and that's incredibly important. But again, like Bart said, you know, it also has to be tethered to something like reason and tradition and uh, mostly to Scripture itself. Like, these things are all important. They're big pieces. Um, so while we talk about Scripture as being the primary um, the primary source for our information or knowledge about God, uh, that that source has to be put into conversation with the other three, tradition, reason, and experience. And that happens through putting it into dialogue and conversation with each other. You know, it's, uh, it's a dangerous man. It is a dangerous person, let me say, who takes the Bible and, and reads it by themselves alone and then decides what it means and then lives their life based on that. Like it needs to be in conversation. Like everywhere in scripture, we see this, this ongoing dialogue that's happening. I think that takes some humility to admit that. Absolutely. It does. You know, we like to believe that we are capable of doing things all on our own by ourselves. And, you know, we trust ourselves and, you know, we got this. Yeah. And that, that takes, that takes a step in humility, you know, goes back to what we were talking about with the Beatitudes, right? You have to be humble and you have to be meek in order to realize that, hey, I'm not God. And I do need (laughs) all these other failing humans around me and maybe together we can, we can figure this out. And it gets back to what you were saying before as far as being a practice and listening as well. It's a good way to train ourselves to listen to other people, other opinions, other other thoughts, other perspectives. Because um, not everybody reads the Bible the same way, it turns yeah. out. And there's and there's a lot of different ways. And I think that's a good thing in the sense I think that's the, what it was designed for. The Bible is not meant to be uh, one meaning, you know, literal boom. Either you believe this one interpretation or it's over. 
I mean, that's not how it works. That's not how any book works. Well, I mean, you can see it when, when you read it because it contradicts itself. Well, the, the word contradiction is, is a big, big word. That's a red flag. But what I'd like to say is it is in conversation. It with is, itself, okay. It's in right? conversation with itself. But you're, you're absolutely right. You have, you have like the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes and the book of Job, the, the three wisdom tradition pieces, in, you know, from the wisdom tradition. They are in a heated conversation about how God operates in the world. Does God bless those who are righteous and punish those who are unrighteous, right? That's a big question. And that's the question in all three of those books. And the answer is for Proverbs, well, yes, of course, God always, always, you know, uh, blesses those who are good and punishes those who are bad. And then Job raises his hand and says, well, um, that that is not my experience, you know, what's going on (laughs) over here? Job. And then God shows up and says, you don't even know about the goats. The goats on the <laughs> other side of the mountain. babies on the other side of the mountain. And then Ecclesiastes shows up like a French existentialist philosopher. He's like, it's all meaningless. What are you talking about? <laughs> Why would you even ask such a question? Just do what you're supposed to do. <laughs> That's my French accent. It's not very good. But they're having a conversation. And, and if, you, if you are not, if you are not, yeah. if you are not steeped in that conversation, if you are not, uh, taking all of this in and wrestling with it and talking about it with other people in the faith, then it's very easy to see that as a contradiction. Or it's very easy to just take the one you like the most and run with it, right? I'm mm-hmm. a Jobian or I'm a Proverbian or I'm an Ecclesiastian, right? Uh, and that's, that is exactly the opposite of what we're supposed to do because we're supposed to sit through there with the tension of that conversation and realize being a human being and living in this world is a lot more difficult than good versus evil. And it's a lot more difficult. I mean, what it means to be faithful, what it means to be a believer in God and in Jesus Christ is not as easy as A, B, C, one, two, three. There's a lot more going on. And I think anyone who's been through a Jobian experience could tell you that without a shadow of a doubt, they would tell you, yeah, this is difficult. This is hard. Uh, And I don't need platitudes. I need like depth. I need true wisdom. Uh, And and so it's in that conversation, but we have to jump in. And, yeah. and get into that conversation. As we started this whole conversation off, you know, one of the best ways to get engaged in Scripture and, and in part of the dialogue that we're talking about, you know, as you shared your experience, is to get engaged with Disciple Bible Study. You could call this whole episode of the podcast a promo. Infomercial. Infomercial for Disciple Bible Study. Brought to you by Northside Church. If you register now. (laughs) If you register now. You call the next five minutes. We'll throw in Disciple (laughs) 2. And a free Bible. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what? If you do register within the next 24 hours, I will personally give you a Bible. Uh, that I will throw in. But let me let me uh, just run down real quick what we are offering as far as Disciple Bible Study here at Northside Church. Uh, whether you are a member here or you're just a listener to the podcast or wherever you are in the world, let me let you know. That yeah, and if you've got friends, you know, someone absolutely. who's not necessarily... That's a great um, way to get engaged. Yeah, absolutely. Someone who's not a Northside person or just, you know, is just kind of out there and wants to learn a little bit more, bring them. You know, it is, it is not uh, constrained to members or anything like that. I mean, we've had not people of all walks come on in so so this year we are making a heavy push big push for disciple one which is the foundational kind of first uh first part of of disciple uh goes through the entire bible in 34 weeks starting in september and going all the way through may uh we have two sessions of that class both on mondays one of them is 
on uh, Mondays at 12 o'clock noon here at the church. And the other disciple, and that'll be led by um, Catherine Booth Olson, Reverend Catherine Booth Olson. Uh, and then we have one at 7 o'clock on Mondays that'll be led by Philip Coleman. Uh, so then Philip is a, a disciple veteran. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. We also have another disciple one that's going to meet on Mondays. Um, we're trying to put together, which is going to be men only. So if that's something that you're interested in, uh, let me know because we are trying to figure it. We got to get a cohort of men together to do that one if we're going to make it happen. Um, and then we have on Wednesday nights, we have disciple three, which is a dive into, uh, the letters of Paul and the prophets of the Old Testament, which I think is a great conversation to have. The prophets versus Paul, prophets talking to Paul, Paul talking to the prophets. You have this kind of whole, the, the more, maybe the more, um, we might say the more difficult parts of, of both Testaments, Paul and the prophets, and how they kind of uh, talk to each other and help us better understand our faith. And then disciple, that's on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock, and that one is led by Jill McKenzie. Uh, who is another disciple veteran. Uh, her and her husband, Steve, uh, are, are two of the pillars, really, of the disciple program here at Northside Church, have been. And then we have Disciple 4, also on Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock, and that class will be led by Gene Brooks, and it's going to dive into what we call the writings of the Old Testament, which includes the wisdom literature, which we just talked about, uh, as well as the books that are, are t- traditionally written by uh, the Apostle John. So that's, you know, the Book of John, the Letters of John, and the Book of Revelation. Uh, that's a big one. That's a huge. You're talking. You're reading Job and Revelation in the same class, but um, that it's is fun. a con, it's a fun conversation. And I and I will say, Disciple is designed the way it is designed for a reason. You know, like you, the first year you get the big overview. Yeah. You read everything and you have an idea of the scope of this thing, and then you spend the next three diving into a little bit more specific. So right. it, it works the best if you do them in order, but you don't have to. You don't. You don't. Um, um, so I, you know, I would, as Jerry and I have said many times, uh, we suggest, we, we highly encourage people to do Disciple 1 before they do anything, just because it gives you the kind of pattern and practice of how the class works, and it gives you that foundational kind of piece where you've read everything. Absolutely. And then get into the more specific pieces. Uh, and it does get, I think, I think it is designed to be more and more, Rigorous. Rigorous. Uh, You know, uh, I mean, like I said, you get here to Disciple 4 and you're reading Job and Revelation and that those are two of the heaviest books. Right. Um, But also two of the most, you know, but but you can do that without having taken. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've spent the year reading Route 66, you know, doing the the New Testament. So by all means, if you were in a place where you really want to do this and you feel like God is calling you to do it and you just can't make those Disciple 1 times work, you know, whatever, you know. Sign up. Sign up anyways. We'll figure it out. You register within the next 24 hours, and you get a free NIV Bible signed by all the clergy <laughs> at Northside Church. I'll, I'll make them do that. An autographed Bible <laughs> by Jesus Christ himself. Can I, can, I, <laughs> can I say that when one time when I was, uh, <laughs> I was buying books for a uh, seminary, and uh, I was at this point, this was a long time ago. This is like 17, 18 years ago. And uh, so Amazon wasn't quite what Amazon is now. Ooh. And so we were going to, you know, other used book places. And I found a book, uh, a copy of the Holy Bible uh, that was the particular version that I needed for a class. And But the comment, in the comment section, it said, uh, brand new first edition. And I was like, okay. And then it said, signed by the author. <laughs> and I was like, Oh man, that's worth so much more than eight dollars and ninety nine cents. 
<laughs> in any case, uh, thank this you guys. Back in the dark ages. Oh, <laughs> uh, in any case, um, thank you guys for joining us today. I hope that you'll uh, you'll prayerfully consider maybe getting involved with Disciple Bible Study this this fall. If you do want to register, www.northsideumc.org/disciple. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.